to. Just come real quick. Um, as you know, we're launching our Unshakable series uh, this week. In fact, I start the, the preliminary uh, message or the introductory message to this series right now. I had a wonderful opportunity of writing the foreword to the book, Unshakable, and uh, we'll talk about some of that today. But uh, nonetheless, we have, I don't know, it seemed like 21, 22 life groups that's, that's up and rolling, and we only have two with signups less than nine right now. And that's Michael and Eric, and they're not far from there, but we're going to ask you, if you've not signed up for a life group, consider signing up for their life group. Um, let me say this. We have, for the first time, Josh mentioned to me this past week, over 60% of the adults in the church signed up for a life group. That's incredible. Amen. It's truly incredible. So, yeah, I just want to give a name and face recognition to these guys. So uh, they'll be out here. And if you want to sign up, you can do it online. You can uh, talk with them. And uh, they'll be glad to have you as a part of their group. God bless you. And thank you guys for uh, joining me here. And it takes a real man to wear Mississippi State right now. Amen. But the thing is, if you invested as much money over there as he has, you'd probably wear it. <laughs> thank you, guys. Anyway, um, I want to talk with you about storms this morning because the most important thing you need to know, period, is this. They are coming. I thought about the storm Florence that just now ravaged the Carolinas, and um, I remember, as a matter of fact, um, our children's pastor, sent, uh, Sister Emery, sent me uh, pictures of water at the eave, I mean the eave of her relative's home. And I thought to myself, my matter of fact, they're there now. They took the supplies that you gave, and uh, they'll be coming in sometime tonight. But I, I thought to myself, wow, that is in, that's just an incredible amount of water. If you could imagine water being that high, inches, not feet, but inches from the eave of your house. That's, I mean, that's basically a, a total gut job to just, you know. But I said to my wife as I was watching the news, I said, you know, think about this. It wasn't too many years ago... <clears throat> that we did not have all of the early warning tools that we have now. Because now, if we stay, it's just because we chose to stay. Maybe we thought we could wait, you know, weather the storm, brave it out, or we were just too stupid to go. I've done both. So I'm not calling nobody. Hey, listen, you know, so I've rode some out myself. But, but the thing about it is, is uh, I thought about like Bangladesh uh, several years ago. They had such a tsunami that hit them it wiped out like 200,000 people just like that, gone. And so, but now we have, you know, Doppler radar and all kinds of early warning detective devices and all that. And we have First Coast News and we have this and that and the other. And even our local station now, you can set it up on your, your phone where that they will give you an alert message that you know hours and hours, if not days, before an imminent um, you know, impact of a storm. But here's the bottom line is, the, the bottom line, whether we know it or not, storms are coming. Now, I'm speaking to you, and, and you know, we think of weather, and we think of, uh, you know, um, Maria, and Harvey, and Irma, and Florence, and these kinds of storms, Hugo, and, you know, Andrew, and all these big storms that Katrina, but, but these are physical weather storms. 
There are storms in your life that are also coming. Some of you can see the signs and you've sort of got the radar out there and you know it. You know it's you know, two or three weeks out. You know it's coming. And, and then there are those who are living life completely oblivious and they have no idea that a deluge is fixing to hit their home, their marriage, their business, their finances, uh, whatever it may be. And if you're not prepared, if you're not on a solid foundation, you're in trouble. Uh, my former coach, Nelson Searcy, in that book that, uh, that right after I wrote the forward, he wrote a, an introductory piece and he talked about going camping. And he talked about being on this camping trip, in, you know, with like tents and um, stuff like that. And he was somewhere in the Carolinas, I think, but the weather had predicted a storm was coming, but you know how it is, you're gung-ho and you've already bought your camping supplies and you've got the sleeping bags and the tents, and man, you're just ready to go. And he was ready to go and his friend was ready to go, and so, so they took off and they camped and they pitched their tent and everything, and somewhere in the night, the wind started howling. And I believe it was Hurricane Bob, if, I, if memory serves me right, but nonetheless, winds were howling. And next thing you know, I mean, the tent is shaking like crazy. And they may have even had an RV there, but it's shaking back and forth. And somewhere in the middle of the night, they peered through a window. They unzipped the window and just sort of looked. And from the campground they were at, they could see some brick homes. And he made an observation. He said, while we're out here blowing in the wind and literally tents blowing down, you know, down the camping area, just trash going everywhere and all of this, uh, limbs and debris. He said, I looked out and there was lights on in that house and I could see people walking about and doing their thing and they weren't even worried about it. And he said, the thing that hit me, the spiritual thing that hit me was we had our tents on sand and their brick home was built on a solid foundation And in the next morning, even though several people lost their lives, and thank God, he said, we survived and we made t-shirts, we survived, Bob, and all that stuff. He said, the Lord just gave me a revelation that if you're on the right foundation, you can weather the storms because the storms are coming. You can mark that down, friend. It may be wonderful in your life right now and everything is going great. And matter of fact, I saw Whitney walk in the church today Walked in the church today. But let me use that as an illustration. And we do thank God for his wonderful power because if you don't know it, they told Eric to pull the plug. There's no hope. It's over. But he believed God the whole way. But here's the deal. They were headed on a date one night. Kids with someone else, thank God. And all of a sudden, T-boned on Harriet's Bluff and Kinlaw Road. And their world literally changed right then. And the storm out of nowhere with no Doppler radar, with no warning whatsoever. And the storm was on them. Are you with me? And what I'm saying to you is that storms are coming to your life and to my life. And the best thing we can do is to build ourselves on a solid foundation. So let me tell you about a storm in my life when I... I had gotten out of the military in uh, 1989. I went on staff as, a, as a, an associate pastor for the large sum of $300 a week gross pay. And it was pretty gross. And, and uh, you know, I was doing what I could, you know, and I, 
So after two years serving there as an associate pastor and, and God blessing me and helping me to get that salary up to $300 a week net pay, and I, I don't know how we survived with two kids at the time, but God had made a way. I, I was asked to go to Claxton, Georgia, and God had just really revealed to me that it was the thing to do. I had a seven-month-old, three-bedroom brick house. Don't tell me how I was doing it on what I was making, but I did. And um, so nonetheless... After having it seven months, we, we said goodbye. We left. We went to Claxton, Georgia. I backed a 26-foot U-Haul truck up to the door. I'll never forget doing a devotion. Peter said, Lord, we have left all and followed you. Jesus responded, Peter, no man has left houses or land or mother and father that will not be re- or sister or brother that would not be restored a hundredfold in this life and given eternal life. So I knew it was the will of God to go. Although I was going to a place called Claxton, Georgia, famous for fruitcakes and uh, chickens, you know, and that's what it was. Had some good friends there. Ken and Tara was raised in that place, and uh, God somehow sent me there. Uh, it was my first assignment as a senior pastor. I was 24 years old, wasn't even dry behind the ears yet. Are you with me? And I, I had four years in the military, so I had some leadership training. I had been an associate pastor for two years, and I got thrust into a church that had 36 people. I ran off 18 of them in six months. So now I had about 18 people. Are y'all with me? And because I was raised in the church, man, I was raised in Pentecost, and, you know, I went there to preach what thus saith the Lord, and I immediately locked horns with some, some crazy people. Are y'all with me? I can say that now. Most of them's gone on to glory or... Somewhere, but hopefully with the Lord. (laughs) But nonetheless, I got there and I found myself in an almost impossible situation because I'm 24 years old and the average age is about 60. Are y'all with me? Say amen. There was no young people. Nobody could identify with where we were at. Nobody else had. There was a handful of children, but I mean a small handful. And I was asking the Lord to help me and I was praying and I'll never forget it was was late uh, December, early January. And I was praying and I was really praying. I'm talking about when you pray when you're in trouble, pray. I'm not talking about now, lay me down to sleep, or God is great, God is good, bless his food and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you pray, when you're crying, when you pray. When you feel better, when you get up from praying. And I prayed, and I prayed, I prayed, and I, I fell asleep with Adam, our worship pastor. Sleep, he was just a, a, a small kid, and he was sleeping with his head right here like so, and I'm laying there in a the bed with him, I'm dreaming, that he and I are right here and he's sleeping beside me and it was me and him were the only ones on the bed and coming toward me was three dark shadows and I don't know who they were but um, it was just dark figures but it was human beings and as they approached the foot of the bed they had a baseball in their hand and they drew the baseball back as a pitcher would wind up and immediately I woke up and I was in a cold sweat and I was scared out of my mind and the Lord spoke to me and I listen, when I say stuff like this you got to understand, stuff like this has only happened to me maybe two or three times in my life of almost 52 years. The Lord spoke to me as clear as a bell and said, three families will rise against you immediately. Three families will rise against you. Stand strong and stand in the fear of the Lord. 
And I'll never forget, I looked at them and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. They lowered their arms and began to back up, but then they lunged forward again. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. They lowered their arms and they backed up. And then they run back toward me again, winding up. I remember reaching in my dream, grabbing the Bible beside the bed. And I raised up in the bed and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ is against you. They dropped the baseballs and ran as hard as they could run. That was on a Friday or Saturday. On Sunday morning, my clerk, who I had known for the whole six months that I had been there, had seemingly loved me, everything was cool, everything was great, gave me the lowdown on the church and how broke we were. Didn't take a rocket science to figure that out. He did not come to church on that Sunday. He sent his clerk's keys by his daughter-in-law to be. Said, Pastor, I will not be back at the church. Well, I thought to myself, why won't you be back at the church? He said, well, you eat in places where they serve alcohol. I said, you moron, you took me to the bowling alley on Fort Stewart where they serve pitchers of beer. I mean, that's just true. But you're going to be, ah, that's so stupid, isn't it? That's just, can I just make up a word moronic? I thought to myself, you buy groceries in Publix and Winn-Dixie and they sell cases of beer. Isn't that the stupidest thing you've ever heard? Anyway, I chalked that one up and said, well, he gone. And uh, I mean, it hurt, though. Don't get me wrong. I needed everybody I could get. I only had just a few people left. My bass player, who couldn't hit a bass note in a 50-gallon drum, but he tried. He showed up. He had told me every Sunday he'd been there, Pastor, I love your preaching. I love your messages. Me and my wife ain't happy here no more. I'm thinking to myself, I ain't been here but six months. And he said, uh, we're going to find us another church. I said, okay. I was hurt. There goes two of them. Then I was approached in the parsonage. You got to think I'm 24 years old, man. I ain't supposed to be going through this kind of stuff yet. 24 years old. And the piano player comes to me, and I'll leave her nameless, but she comes to me and she said, Pastor, I got to talk to you for a moment. <clears throat> You've made some decisions around here that's made some people mad. <clears throat> and if you don't put so-and-so as the Sunday school superintendent, we had Sunday school in those days, and so-and-so as the choir director, choir, really, we only had 18 people, so we just put five of them up there, and five of them come this way, and then we... You don't put... <clears throat> stupid. I said, you don't put so-and-so as the choir director, and so-and-so as the superintendent, and so-and-so leading the youth... Um, this certain family that has a lot of money, and they did, they're going to leave. And they have said that they could take several families with them. And so my 24-year-old wisdom just kicked in, and I don't think it was that. I think it was the bravery of the Holy Spirit. And I looked at her as strong as a 24-year-old could do it, and I said, Ma'am, are you their mouthpiece, or do you feel like that? Well, 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 well. I said, well, i tell you what, you need to tell Miss, and I called her name, to get everybody she can convince to go with her and go now. What did I just say? I got on, I come home. Man, I, I called some friends. I said, come to church. Man, we got to pray. This thing's falling apart. And it was. Are you with me? Let me tell you something. They left the church, all, of those, all three of those families and some of the ones they could find and get. They said that church would go under without our money because we got money and they did have money. Let me say this. I had somehow mustered up enough money or talked enough people into paying $15 a week for us to have a 15-minute radio broadcast. Well, in the next 11 months... We broke five 
all-time tithe records in the next 11 months. The storm came and it was bad. But I weathered that storm and I didn't weather it because of my power. I weathered it shaking in my boots and holding on to the Holy Spirit and believing God that God, you're going to make a way. I went to the pulpit the very next Sunday and I saw two brand new faces walk in. I've never seen them walk in before. Brand new families. One was a family of, uh, they had four children and mom and dad had a family of six. Woo, every pastor said, praise the Lord. Are y'all with me? And uh, then another family walked in. We won Ken and Tara to the Lord. And uh, man, it was just an incredible thing. Storms are coming. So I, I said that because it's so important that you know that they are coming before they arrive so that you can make sure of your footing and make sure of your foundation. Let me give you an example. Frankie Tyson, our missionary in Guatemala, called me last week. He said, Pastor, the footings have been poured. The materials on site. In other words, they pour those footings a, few, a couple weeks before we get there. They're curing. They're ready for us to get there sometime tomorrow. Are you with me? In other words, that's what the house is going to be built on. That's what's going to support the load. And before the storm gets to you, you need to take a look at the footing. You need to take a look at the foundation. Jesus told a story. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 24, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows them is wise, like a person who builds a house on a rock. And though the rain comes and the torrent and the waters, floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey them is foolish. Let me put that in the modern language for you right now. If you hear me say, your pastor say, storms are coming to your life, you know storms are coming and you don't prepare and build on the rock, you are indeed foolish. Let me go on. But anyone who hears my teaching does not obey them is foolish like a person who builds a house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So what does it mean to build on the sand? If you build something on the sand, how I many you ever seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa? You may have never been, but you've seen it. I can't remember, but it's leaning, and it, it moves, I can't remember how many hundredths of an inch every year, and eventually it's going to fall unless they shore it up some way. But, but when they pour a foundation, they make sure they dig down deep. And they make sure that they get that foundation right and that they put steel in it or fiber in it. And they make sure that it's level and that it's solid. And there's requirements for different strengths of concrete. Um, so, so what does it mean to build on the sand? Uh, our spirit, let me say this. For you and I to build on the sand, that would be trusting in our own self. I got this, God. I don't need you. Oh, you tell your Christian friend, I, I don't have to go to church, man, to be saved. I'm cool. I mean, Jesus got our own thing going. You're building on the sand. I don't have to be around Christian folk. Let me say this. You will be the average of the closest seven people in your circle. You hang out with turkeys, you'll be a turkey. You want to be an eagle, you better, you better hang out with eagles. And you get to choose that. Listen, you can't choose your family. You're born into whoever you're born with. That, that's God's decision. I mean, that's the hand you're dealt. But you get to choose who you hang out with. All right, I'll let that one sink in. To live, you see, building on the sand means, you, you know, if you choose wrong relationships, 
if you're trusting in your relationships, if you're trusting in your reputation, in your status, in your money. You see, building on the sand means to live outside of the lordship of Jesus Christ. It means to think that I can do it on my own. Sand is a good filter. All of you pool owners understand that it's a great filter, but it's a sorry foundation. You see, Jesus said, if you're going to build, you better build on the rock because sand is never going to hold it. So, so, um, so it is so important that we understand that, that, that we trust God for, for the things of our life because your reputation ain't going to work when the storm's coming. Your money won't fix it when the storm comes. None of that will fix it. But if you're built on the right foundation, so it's important to know. So I, I ask you to do a little introspection, to, to just look around and say, what am I built on? What is my relationship? What is my marriage? What is my finances? What is my future? What is my destiny? Is all of that built in hopes and dreams in a classroom somewhere, or is it built upon Jesus Christ? Can I tell you something? The words of everybody else will fail, but the Bible says the words of Jesus Christ remain forever. They are forever settled in heaven, not a jot or a tittle shall ever pass away. So, so here's what you need to do. you got to understand that he alone is my rock. The Bible says when, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about Jesus and said he was a stone, a rock. Um, he said, but the builders, though they were building a building, they looked at him and they rejected him as a rock fit to be in the building. It would be like this stacked stone we have on the front of the building. Those uh, stone masons, they looked at those things and they, they sized them up and they buttered the blocks or the, you know, the decorative brick and they set them in place. But what Paul was saying was they, they sort of looked at Jesus as a stone you know, in this building and they just sort of called him out and said, nah. The stone, Paul said, that the builders rejected has become the chief of the corner. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Are you with me? He is the head of the church, and you and I are members in particular of the body. So, so you got to have a solid foundation. How do you do it? You see, he's the stone that the builders rejected. But how, pastor? Submit your life to Jesus Christ. Submit your life to him. You can't, you can't handle the burden. You remember Elijah, as great a prophet as he was, he was anointed the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he fell asleep. He was weary one day. He was running from Jezebel, and he found himself laying up under a juniper tree. And up under that juniper tree, he said, Oh, God, please take away my life now. I'm ready to die. I'm no better than my father's. And while he was fast asleep there, an angel of the Lord come and tapped him on the shoulder and woke him up, had a jar of water, and he said, uh, Drink you some water, Elijah. And he had baked him a cake on some coals there. He said, eat this cake and drink this water because the journey is too great for you. Let me tell you something. Elijah the Tishbite told the heavens to close up and not rain for three and a half years. He, with 63 words, prayed a prayer strong enough that God sent fire out of heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And if he couldn't make it on his own strength, what makes you think you can make it on yours? Storms are coming. And we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord was trying to tell Elijah. 
He fell asleep again. He woke him back up. He gave him another jar of water and another pancake. And he said, eat this because the journey is too great for you. All of a sudden, Elijah ran to the Mount of God, Mount Horeb. And, and while he was there, he was, saw a great fire, you know, and a great earthquake and a great wind. And the Bible says he saw these great exploits, the fire, the earthquake, and the wind, and God wasn't in none of them. And he was running. God didn't tell him to run from Jezebel. He was a prophet of God that had just killed 450 prophets of Baal with his bare hands. But this little frail woman said, see if your life is not like one of them prophets about this time tomorrow before the sun goes down, you'll be dead. He got scared and got in the flesh. The storm rolled in on him quick. But he, he saw a fire. He felt an earthquake. Everything shook. And the Bible said God wasn't in it. But all of a sudden he heard a whisper, a still small voice that said, what doest thou here, Elijah. And he perceived that it was God. And he pulled his cloak up around his head. Are you with me? He said, Lord, I've been jealous for you because they've torn down your altars. They've worshipped Baal and they've done this. And everybody has given up on you except me. And God said, listen to me, Elijah. I got 7,000 men on the other side of this grove that have never bowed a knee to Baal. They've never kissed his image. Don't think you're in this by yourself. Well, storms are coming. It's important for you to know that. And the only, thing, the only way you can fix it is to trust in Jesus Christ. And Elijah was doing that. He was trusting in Jesus Christ. But he had a, a wayward moment. And some of you are doing the same thing. You've trusted in Jesus Christ for years and years. But sometimes when a certain storm comes up real quick, it's easy to get wayward like Elijah. He's just called fire down from heaven. He just killed 450 prophets of Baal with his own bare hands. He's done all these great exploits. And all of a sudden, the man of God is running. I've gone through some great and incredible victories only to find myself shaking shortly thereafter. Are you with me? Say amen. Um, so here's what you've got to do to stay on the rock, to make sure you've got a solid foundation. Number one, submit your life to Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God right here today and ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, period. All of us have. He said, but, but Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, for with the heart, or, or excuse me, uh, God, he, he reveals his spirit to us. He says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so that's the Roman road to salvation that we ask the Lord to come into our heart. Now, some of us, you say, well, pastor, I'm saved. Hang out with God's people. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I can't come to church, but, you know, once a month or whatever. Here's what I know. I, I know priorities is up to us. It's up to me. I'm going to Guatemala in the morning because I prioritized going. I'm preaching right now because I prioritized building this message. I prioritized writing part of that book. I, I made it a, a, a conscious decision to say, this is what I am going to do. If you don't make the decisions, your calendar will fill up. You have to decide. Same way with your money, and that's another story. Be around Christians. Read God's Word. Listen, here's why you need to do this today. Here, here's why. Let me just read to you what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 91. Here, here's, 
Here's what I know. Storms are coming. You need to check your foundation. Make sure you're not on sand. And the only way to fix that is submit to Jesus Christ. Start being in church. Start being around God's people. Join a life group. Do something with God's people. If, you're, if you are constantly in turmoil, check out who you're hanging with. I'm not saying you have to turn and hate them. You begin to pray for them. You ask God to send skilled laborers their way. You might not be the one to be able to reach them. But here, here's what I need you to know. Once you've turned to Jesus, Psalm 91 says this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, a place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. He will rescue you from the trap and protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His promises, He said, His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Watch this. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrows that fly by day. Do not dread the, the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Why? Though a thousand fall at your side, and though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, hey, did you see what he said? If you make the Lord your refuge, if the Most High is your shelter, uh, one or no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Isn't that amazing? They will hold you, uh, excuse me, he said, for he'll give his angels charge over you to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands that you won't even cast your foot or hurt your foot against a stone. Isn't that amazing? You'll trample upon lions and, uh, and, and cobras and crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. How many of you want to be able to do that? To live strong like that? The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I'll protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I'll answer. He says, I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and I'll honor them. I'll reward them with long life and give them salvation. But you, oh Lord, will be exalted forever. Isn't that amazing? You're going to be exalted forever. That's what Psalm 92 and 8 says. He said, your enemies, will, they're going to perish. All you evildoers are going to be scattered. But you made me strong as a wild ox and you've anointed me with your finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies and my ears heard the defeat of the wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like the palm trees and grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Isn't that great? For they are transplanted in the Lord's own house. They'll flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they'll still produce fruit. I like that. The older I get, still produce fruit even in old age and they will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. Huh? There's no evil in him. He is the rock. He said, they will declare the Lord is just and he's my rock and there's no evil in him. So here's how I want to close this. Jesus told another story. Had to do with a storm. It comes out of Matthew's gospel. And in Matthew's gospel, uh, 
Jesus, the Bible said in Matthew 4, and, or excuse me, Mark 4 and 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed him. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves, and they were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? When Jesus woke up, watch this, he rebuked the wind and the waves and said, Silence, be still. Another translation said, Peace, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked him, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? As you stand with me, let me close like this. Storms are coming. It's a fact. You hear? Storms are coming. That is a fact. And there ain't nothing you can do about it or I can do about it as far as them coming. We can prepare ourselves to be on the solid rock, and that is on Jesus Christ. The only way to weather that storm. But here's what I want you to notice. When Jesus was in the midst of the storm, he sleeps through storms. Huh? He was kind of like them people in that brick house. When, when Nelson was out in a tent, it was blowing everywhere and the winds was howling. Them people in the brick house weren't even worried about it. They just went to bed. Here's Jesus in the middle of a violent storm with his head on a cushion and a pillow. They come and woke him up and said, don't you care that we perish? Don't you know? Didn't bother Jesus. He knew he was the foundation. And eventually he walked out and just said to the storms, peace be still. Silence. Lay your boisterous waves down. And the Bible said the wind and the waves obeyed him. Let me encourage you to put your faith in the one that can talk to the wind and it obeys him. In the one that can talk to the waves and they obey him. The Bible says that Jesus rides on the clouds of the wind. Are you with me? He rides on the clouds and makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the waves of the wind, makes the cloud his chariot. He's a powerful God. He still walks on water. I remember in 1995, I had a wonderful opportunity to stand on that same sea, stand on the shore. And then we got into a boat that's a replica. Uh, it's made kind of like they say that they were made back then. And we went out on that Sea of Galilee. And I'll never forget, looking back up to where Jesus would have been perched that one night when he sent his disciples to go to the other side. And a storm rose up that night. And the Bible said when Jesus finished praying, he went walking to them on the sea. You remember? I want you to understand something. Even though he allowed that storm to come, Jesus had a panoramic view of the entire lake. He could see all the way. You'll never be in a storm where he don't see you. You'll never be so far and so distant that if you call out to him, even like Simon Peter when he began to sink, and just before he went under, he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down 
and lifted him right back up. Storms are coming. I want you to be prepared with, with heads bowed right now and eyes closed. Maybe you're hearing you say, Pastor, I'm in a deep, dark storm right now and I need God to touch my life. I need God to touch my family. Maybe it's my finances. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe, I don't know what it is. I know this, there is not a storm so dark. There is not a storm so, so violent that he cannot speak peace, be still. May I see your hand if you're in the middle of a storm right now? Man, hands going up several places. How about you, sir, ma'am? Let me just, I just want to pray for you right where you are. And I want you to believe with me. Listen, and, and if you have not yet made Christ the head of your house, the, the Lord of your life, I want you to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, these men and women right now are struggling, Lord. There are those whose lives are on the line. There are those whose marriages are on the rocks right now. There are jobs in jeopardy right now. Reputations at stake right now. Oh God, I ask in the name of Jesus as they call out to you that you would step out right now and say, peace be still. Lord, and the wind in their life would settle down and that the waves would calm themselves down. Lord, you said that you tell the waves how far they can come upon the seashore. This far and no more. And in their lives right now, those who are struggling, those who feel like they're going to be overtaken are washed away in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, as they ask you to take control, It'd be just like you waking up on that pillow and walking up to the top side and saying to the wind, stop it now, that's enough. Bow down, lay down. Cease in the name of Jesus. I give you praise right now in Jesus' name. Listen, if you pray that prayer with me, if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart for the heart, man believes and with the mouth man confesses. Amen. We believe in our heart that God raised His Son, Jesus, from the dead, and we confess with our mouth. And when we believe and confess with our mouth that God has raised His Son, Jesus, from the dead, we shall be saved and we'll be forever changed. So I'm believing for you. If you made that decision today, I want you to take one of those hay cards that's near you. I want you to jot down on there that you committed your, your life to Jesus Christ. Let me know. I want to know about it. I want to get you some information and get you involved because it's so easy to fall right back. Give the Lord a big hand of praise right now as our host is coming. How many of you enjoyed that?